KRCL, Salt Lake City. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders weeknights at 6 right here on 90.9 KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, joined in studio on Tuesday nights by community activist, advocate, Latinx uh, supporter. Let's see. Ma Black, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing really you good. You weren't sure where my bronchitis was going to lead me <laughs> no, on No, I was like, what where, are you, what? where are you going? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Happy to be here tonight. Hey, thanks for being here. Yeah. And you know, this is the first Tuesday you've been back since Radiothon. That's Great right. night. Thank you so much for folks who listen on Tuesday nights in particular for Ma and what she brings to the table. Definitely. Really appreciate your support. The pickup party mm-hmm. is Thursday, November 1st, 4 to 7 here at the station. We hope you all stop by. Say hello. Pick up a little nibble, maybe your t-shirt, what yeah. have you. And also in the studio, we have Billy Palmer, Director of Civic Engagement. How are you? Well, hello. I'm and, doing great. How about I, you? Not bad. I just took a cough drop, so we should be okay. Okay. But you well, stand by just in case. I don't case. know how we'll be. And <laughs> there should be like a like a sneeze guard here, like a salad bar. There needs to be a sneeze guard no, to protect y'all. you're doing fine. Uh, Shell, laughs a lot. Dana is our volunteer on Tuesday nights. How are you? Pretty fabulous. So, Ma, coming up, we want to have a panel discussion since mm-hmm. it is o- October is Disability Awareness Month. That's right. And tonight we're going to be discussing that in um, the world's population have 1 billion people that live with a disability. So that's more than 15%. That's a ton of that's folks a lot in the of, world. That's a lot of friends. Uh, Radioactive will talk with folks creating opportunities for disabled members of our community, including Christy Chambers of Columbus Community Center, which is ready to build its hub of opportunity. It's a really interesting campaign that they've been raising money for for the last year. And now celebrating their 50th year, they're ready to go. Mm. I'm excited for the update. Yeah. Also in the studio, we're going to be talking with Sarah Johnson. Sarah with a P. Sarah with a P. <laughs> you may have seen her from certain yeah. shut it down actions Here in there. front of the uh, <laughs> federal building in downtown Salt Lake. Do you know, Sarah, you may have seen her get arrested once or twice. <laughs> if you go to the movies at any LHM complex, the, the commercial for Channel 2, she's in that. Oh. Really? So, Oh, yeah. Every time I'm like, Sarah. But uh, she is an advocate and a member of... Disabled Rights Action Committee. Yeah, Disability Rights Action Committee of Utah. Also, we're going to be speaking with Utah Lance Allred. He is the first deaf player in the NBA's history. Is that a great story? Yeah, he's now an inspirational speaker and also an author. Um, So much more. Great story. Yes. Also coming up on the show, we're going to talk during rallies and resources to Joey Calkins, who is the stage director for the Utah premiere of Considering Matthew Shepard, and Billy, I think you brought this up maybe earlier in the week about Matthew Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the 20th anniversary? I can't remember since his death, but yep. his um, remains are going to be interred in the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. It was announced in the last week or so. Yeah, I was reading that this morning, and uh, you know, I, you know, I think he's a symbol, obviously. He's a symbol of uh, something that we still need to work on mm-hmm. to this very day, 20 years later. Um, we still have to fear for mm-hmm. our LGBTQ folks. Um, you know, something might happen if they go out on the street, walk down the street at any time. And so it's 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 really difficult to think back at Matthew Shepard and think that the same thing could happen. 
Well, and today. the Trump administration is rolling back the rules, especially in regard to transgender rights. Right. Mm-hmm. And the definition of gender is something they're looking at codifying. And we think a lot of people think that's not a very big deal. And and the when we see that is is when we see things like what happened to Matthew Shepard uh, mm-hmm. happen. When when we make these rules, when we use these platforms um, and these pulpits to demonize people um it's it's it has violent a violent end to it so it worries me also coming up tonight we're gonna talk with joy willis an artist behind the exhibition will you listen to me now and it's kind of a an outgrowth of her reaction to the me too movement the kavanaugh hearings and you and i were talking earlier today about last night's show oh yes absolutely and you know like it's one of those things where you sleep on it and you reflect on it Mm -hmm. and uh it dawned on me for sure that we were talking and we were talking a lot about you know white male privilege white male privilege men in the the movement and while we don't want to um we want to validate uh folks that where things have changed and Mm -hmm. uh people are feeling where they have to change themselves and have to pay attention to what they're saying and doing and they're not used to that. Um, one thing that ref- I was reflecting on during that interview is like, that is sounds a lot like what women have had to do all their lives. That sounds like what people of Welcome color have had to do. To my <laughs> exactly. Right. And Won't my, you come inside? And while we were talking about that, um, there was a tragedy uh, at mm-hmm. the University of Utah uh, where a, a person um, who had been dating somebody and broke, broke up off. with him, and he killed her and mm-hmm. up at the University of Utah last night. And so while we talk about, you know, the uncomfortableness of Me Too for men these days, um, when we look at Donald Trump saying it's a, it's a scary time for men, uh, we're, you know, we have to be reminded that it's always been a very terrifying time for women. Men mm-hmm. worry about women laughing at them, men worry about women dumping them or, or mm-hmm. making them feel down or making them feel uncomfortable about what they're doing, women worry about being killed by men. Yeah. So so if anyone felt that the conversation wasn't broad enough, we understand that last night mm-hmm. because we wanted to focus very narrowly and see what white men in our community wanted to say. We had Dr. Susan Madsen on from Utah Women in Leadership Project, and it, her comments were really, mm-hmm. really interesting about it. So if you want to hear that show from last night and see what we're talking about, you just go to krcl.org. Go to the Community Fairs tab, and then you'll see Radioactive. And all of our shows are blogged right mm-hmm. there. So you can always catch up with the show. If you have our mobile app, mm-hmm. you can listen on demand where you oh, want, yeah. when you want. All right, so let's do... Oh, I forgot to say, also coming up, Salt City Tap. Yeah, yeah. Salt oh, City yeah. Tap Fest. We're going to get some tap here going on. We cannot leave that out. Uh, let's do Rallies and Resources, <laughs> Billy Palmer. You know what? I love doing this with Shell Laughs a Lot, Danis, because she is always excited to talk about things going on in the uh, community. So we're going to start with Shell. All right. So first on my radar on Wednesday is uh, it's it's hip hop youth justice and racial justice. It's like the hip hop open mic that's going on at uh, the at Slick. Um, so it's from seven to eight thirty p.m. and uh, yeah, they're having they're really trying to encourage youth and you know older youth <laughs> to uh <laughs> to get involved and to express themselves in different ways and speak out about things issues that you know you got the feels about so that's a good one also tomorrow is uh, a medical cannabis public hearing uh, at 6 30 at the state capitol at the state capitol um this is going to be like actually like in senate building room 210 and uh it's it's a public he- hearing 
Um, I really, really recommend, well, I guess I can't say that anyways. <laughs> recommend listening to the arguments <laughs> yeah. at this event because there's the Utah Medical Cannabis Act, which is Prop 2, and then there is this compromise they're already talking mm-hmm. about in a special session to come. So if you uh, want to get some more information, ask a couple of questions. Tomorrow night's the place to be, 630 at the Utah State Capitol. Senate Building is the one with the cafeteria in it on the east side of the Capitol complex. Cool. That's right. And then uh, there's dignity through decades is what I want to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Columbus um, Community Center. Yep. Been It'll around be for 50 bit. years. Mm-hmm. And so the, we want to get this uh, out there right now. But they're having a celebration, a fundraiser. And that's going to be on Friday from 6 to 10 o'clock. We'll talk about it more in the show. Um, then there's the Know Your Rights training uh, at the Glendale Community Council. Uh, excuse me, Glendale Community. Uh, Glendale Branch Library. Um and that's from three thirty to six. Um, um, at and what did it see? That's it's a training uh, is applicable to K through twelve system. It's a training that will contain information about the rights of students with disabilities. Uh, you can join us in learning more your, of your rights, how legal changes in juvenile justice laws affects children and their caregivers, mm. and then. Uh, Shell, you wanted to talk about Halloween uh, 2008 tra- time travelers ball, right? Oh, yeah. So on Saturday uh, uh, at the Pride Center, the new Pride Center on 1380 South Main Street, uh, they're having their big Halloween party. It's 2018 time travelers ball. It's going to be, you know, an extravagant event, I'm sure. You know, great costumes and stuff. But that's just an awesome uh, safe space for a lot of people who want to get creative and and celebrate Halloween. Um, and then also, I would just want people to save their day, even though this feels like it's far away, but it's just a week away. Um, next Tuesday it, at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, they're doing a mindfulness uh, course. And right now, I just really want to stress self-care. And so they're going to do a little uh, instruction on finding stillness within ourselves, which I think is key, you know. Excellent. Thank you so much. Where do people find all that stuff? Once again, go to krsl.org, go to Community Affairs, and you are there. Just go to Rallies and Resources. Thank you so much, Billy Palmer and Shell Laughs a Lot. Danis, we're going to get Joy Willis on the phone and uh, our other guests lined up here. Ma, a couple things I wanted to run by you. On Saturday, the Immigration Rapid Response Retreat and and Training is happening at the Mm -hmm. Rape Recovery Center Mm -hmm. in Salt Lake. It is a rapid response training for all community members interested in supporting individuals and families persecuted by ICE in Utah and the surrounding area. Rapid response efforts focus on providing immediate support, especially when individuals are detained in deportation proceedings or have already been deported, and you have a couple cases that you've seen popping up oh lately. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, just watching what's going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm just waiting for these uh, people seeking asylum that are coming in mm. the caravan. Things are going to get really crazy. We're always hoping for the best, mm. but the reality for an immigrant or asylum seeker in this country, it's it's steam. It's yeah. dark. What you're talking about is the caravan that President yes. Trump keeps referring to. Correct. It's they, they, seven thousand strong coming up through Mexico from Guatemala and Honduras. 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 That's correct. And you know, folks in this community Absolutely. here already. What are you, what are you hearing from folks about how they're being, mm-hmm. how they're this these folks coming to America out of dire circumstances mm-hmm. are being portrayed? Are you, are you hearing that they're fearful? It's incredible. Um, their resilience and their hope for the best. Mm-hmm. When they are just 
literally fighting and coming here because their life depends on them. And yeah. it's just heartbreaking to watch these mothers with young, young kids. And it's just heartbreaking. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's certainly a dark time for immigrants right now. So nonprofits working in this space, Unidad Inmigrante. Sanctuary. Sanctuary Network. Red. The best of the best people doing the work yep. on the ground. And the Red is the one hosting the training on Saturday. And lastly, on Saturday, 11 a.m. out of the Utah Cultural Celebration Center in West Valley, it's a Day of the Dead celebration. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be uh, tons of cool stuff going on, music, food, and dance, mm-hmm. hands-on activities, mm-hmm. chance to win prizes in the mm-hmm. Katrina Dress-Up Contest. Yes. And so I was hoping for some advice because I met you up at the Capitol. Was it just last year? It was last for year. For Katrina. Yes. Um, contest right and my question was how can i dress up as katrina or Absolutely. do i not get to dress up what as a, a great katrina? question laura and it's a question that has come up more now that we're a little bit more aware of not doing uh, cultural appreciate um, a- appropriation that's a way there's a way to turn that and, and i call it cultural appreciation and i have people is it okay for me to dress as a katrina and i said as long as you understand what it means because it's not a custom, it's a culture, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. It's so, La Llorona. Yeah, so it, it, the the history, this, the, the, the whole concept behind the Katrina, it's an act of rebellion. So she was uh, uh, herself a, a resistor, a feminist, and it's important for people to know these stories because I think that that way they embrace it a little bit more respectful. Mm-hmm. So these are not only opportunities to for you to go paint your face. Like but a skeletal. L- exactly. But to learn. What does it mean? What is the offering? Why do they put food on an offering? Why do what do they have? Sugar skull. What do they mean? Mm-hmm. So be curious, ask, and we are more than happy to educate you on our culture and have you learn from it and you're just gonna love it even more. Excellent. So mm-hmm. that is coming up on Saturday yes. this weekend. Something coming up Friday and Saturday this week is the Utah world premiere of Considering Matthew Shepard. It's an opera. It's a passion play. And it's happening at the First United Methodist Church. And we have joining us the stage director, Joey Calkins. Hi. Hello. Got a bit that you showed me on YouTube Yeah. from a- another outfit that's recorded this. It's a bit of the music that you'll be hearing. So this isn't um, an opera with act one, two, and three. Correct, yeah, it's an oratorio, which is essentially an unstaged opera or musical. Uh, Craig Heller Johnson, who wrote the music, incorporated several different styles. Uh, We've got blues, country, opera, uh, more of a Broadway style as well. It's uh, with the mix of styles and then it's just very emotional. Right. So are there tickets left for Friday and Saturday? Oh, it's just a two-night two run, right? Two nights, yep. It's actually a $10 suggested donation. Okay, at the door. Excellent. So this is by Craig Hella Johnson. Tell us about the origins of this oratorio. Um, it was... Con- conceived, written? Yeah, yeah, conceived by Craig. Uh-huh. Uh, and he used uh, several poems by Leslie and Newman. Mm-hmm. from her book, October Morning, a song from Matthew Shepard, mm-hmm. who herself was struggling with coming to terms with what had happened to him. And so she wrote this collection mm-hmm. of poems, and then Craig turned some of those into music and then wrote additional text as well mm-hmm. to use with that. Had its premiere in February 2016 in Austin, Austin Texas, yep. Conspirare, conducted by Craig Hella Johnson, mm-hmm. and that's this recording here. 
So are they Utah folks in this? Yep. Yeah, it's all Utah people. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're all local people here uh, just wanting to come together to help make a difference. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it's important now to have it here in Utah? The LGBTQ and religious communities have been in odds with each other for since the dawn of time. And I'm finally fed up with it. And <laughs> figured, you know, this is a perfect time to do this uh, with some of the announcements that were given at LDS General Conference a couple weeks ago, um, and even with Matt being interred at the National Cathedral this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the timing seemed perfect. And Matthew Shepard beaten viciously mm-hmm. because of his uh, sexuality. Oh, this music is just getting to me. Wow. Part of the oratorio, considering Matthew Shepard. So, how many pieces are going to be in this church? There are, like, no, oh, like how many people? Yeah. Uh, we have we combined with the Solid Community Choir, Chamber, Solid Community College Chamber Choir, uh-huh. and so we have about thirty-five singers. Some of them will be soloists, some are in choir, and then we have a seven-piece orchestra mm-hmm. and a narrator. Mm. Well, so how do people get tickets? So you just come to the door and it's just let at the you door. In. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what time and the address for the church? So it starts at 7.30. The church is First United Methodist Church at 203 South, 200 East, Salt Lake City. Excellent. We'll put all those details in the show notes. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much yeah. for coming Thank in you. and letting folks know about it. Thanks for having me. All right. You're welcome. So uh, Radioactive continuing with our rallies and resources. On the phone, we have artist Joy Willis. Hi, Joy. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Hey, thanks for calling in. I know you're out and about, and we wanted to make sure people knew about this project you have going called Will You Listen to Me Now? Coming up on November 4th, you're also adding a a panel discussion to it. So we did a whole thing on white male privilege last night um, in the wake of the Kavanaugh hearings, and a lot of your work stems out of this as well as your life's journey. Exactly. So It, it, It is. It is amazing how our life journey goes along with the conversation that's happening in society. Exactly. So what really started you going into this in terms of how you want to comment on it? Let's just get it out on the table, your feelings about privilege and toxic masculinity and Me Too right now. Well, I mean, of course, it started when I was born, being raised in Utah in particularly Utah County and Sanpete County as an independent, strong-willed child that felt that, you know, I needed to be heard and, you know, actually treated as a human being in quality, et cetera. And then it stemmed into, you know, being a a serial entrepreneur and working in a business and starting a business and um, not being respected or being allowed to have a seat at the table. And it came to a head about 10 years ago where... I was no longer allowed to come to the corporate meeting of a company that I'd started. And so I was out at Burning Man and being frustrated and just coming up with the idea of, you know, to be successful in life financially and to be traded fairly, you needed to have a penis. And so I jokingly told my husband at the time I was willing to start wearing a T-shirt that says, will you listen to me now and walk Mm -hmm. around with a big old strap on on my head. Oh, my Lord, Joy, you are brave. (laughs) I love it. And I I never did it, and it just um, kind of sat there in my brain, but um, then I had kind of a little 
a heartbreak happened in 2014 that kind of started to spawn my own conversation within myself about where my responsibility lies. And then when the 2016 elections happened and Hillary didn't make it, and it was women of my demographic that, you know, lost us the election, it started the inquiry even further. Well, I'm looking... Uh, yeah. this art project started just popping up and making itself known to me, and so it went from there. So on the 4th at the Art Factory, this is the, a great unveiling and panel discussion, right? Exactly. Who's going to be on the panel with you? Well, we're going to have Tally Bruce, which is an amazing friend of mine, and she's a, a city councilwoman at the um, in Cottonwood Heights. Mm-hmm. And also, <laughs> I'm going to have... Um, Oh, my gosh, my brain just went. That's okay. I got it here in front of me. (laughs) It's Paul Duane, a podcaster who refers to himself as a cross-dressing anarchist. Yes. Morris Coons, podcaster and relationship builder. Nicola Emma, Nicole Emma, rather, lecturer, sex worker, advocate. And Xavier Lang, activist, entrepreneur, sex positive leader. A very interesting panel, men and women, people of color. And on your poster... People are equal, as it says. And then in the middle, you've got gay, straight, trans, male, female, white, black, brown, yellow, old, and young. So are you trying to create a conversation across all these these groups and these boxes we seem to check these days? Exactly. I just feel that, you know, my frustration growing up was I didn't feel like I had a seat at the table. And I think it's the systemic issues that are happening now are coming from that people are living in their own little bubbles. And I really wanted a cross-section of unique individuals that had really unique and diverse thoughts, and, and not necessarily people that I agreed with, but I, I wanted them at the table so that we could have a, really, uh, a real profound and heartfelt conversation and really try to be heard from each other so that we can start creating an economic relationship model that works for everyone. Mm. Because I think that we're kind of stuck. We're still talking as in, you know, as if we're in 1950s and the economy and relationship model is kind of set there. Yeah, we're kind of talking in in silos still. 2018, Uh and we're, you know, it's a global community and relationship models are extremely diverse. And so I wanted everybody to come together and say, hey, how do we make it work for absolutely everyone? Yeah, but you know, Ma, you know? Joy is not interested in burning down the patriarchy. Right, Joy? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. No, I, I am so interested in burning down the patriarchy <laughs> that, that that you know, is not the focus, but it is to me <laughs> but it is. what is the systemic problem. Mm. It all comes back to the patriarchy. You can't teach children from birth. that Only men have the power and answers mm-hmm. and then expect that they kind of do away with that once they grow up. I guess what I mean is um, that you don't want to blame men. You want them at the table, but oh, everyone absolutely. at the table. Yeah, no, I, I no longer. Yeah, I went through a long period because I worked I worked at Checker Auto. I worked at Geneva Steel. I worked construction. I worked a lot of male-dominated jobs because that's where the money was. And so it was easy for me to get into a period where I really was angry at men, even though I loved them and married them and and dated them, et cetera. But at the same time, when I went through this period and started owning women's complicit complicitness into this into this situation, and so it's not about being angry at men or hating men. It's about that we are all complicit. We are all creating this systemic issue, and we've got to come all together to build a new system. 
So, so absolutely, I don't hate men. And I, you know, I think they're that, you know, from the statistics we've heard of late that, you know, women in Utah have a, a, as big a problem with being sexist as, you know, even more so than men. And so I'm trying to reach women and help them understand their bias around it and what they can do to help change the system. A little Stockholm because, Syndrome is what you're talking about. Excuse me? <laughs> talking about the Stockholm Syndrome? Uh, yeah, I'm talking about PTSD and Stockholm Syndrome and Me Too and sexual trauma, that it keeps women really stuck and it takes really um, looking within and see where where we're, we're helping create that system. Well, Joy, I what mean, can I, people expect uh, on November 4th? Um, well, we're going to all get up and, and each of us try to talk about what we see what we see as individuals can happen to create systems that actually work. And then we're going to engage with the audience and try to talk with the audience about how they can how they see that we can fix the system because it really is going to require us tearing down the system and building a new system. Well, because and the one we're in is just not yeah. working at all. People should come dressed in loose clothing and ready to dig deep is what you're saying. Ready to dig deep as well as have show compassion and heart. I yeah. really want an engaged conversation, but I really want people to understand that, you know, we have to be we are all in this together yeah. and that we have to really listen and engage with each other in a respectful and loving way okay. because. You know, being divisive and trying to um, throw bottles at each other is just not yeah. its just not helpful, and it's not at all what I'm wanting. So, Joy, what time uh, on it's November 4th? 4 o'clock. And that, is that and the unveiling and then the panel? Which comes first? Um, it will, the unveiling will come first, and then we'll, uh, the panel will each speak, and then we will open it up to a conversation with the audience. And that's going to be at the Art Factory We'll put all the details in the show notes tonight. Joy, thank you so much for, for calling in tonight. And thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to the conversation. And I just wanted to do a quick shout-out that I am so sorry to hear about that that young woman, Lauren, that just um, got shot. So I'm, my condolences mm-hmm. are sent to her family. I'm sure you'll be talking about that in part of your conversation on November 4th. Joy, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. When we come back, Salt Lake City Tap. Hey, radioactivists. This is Andrea Himoff from Action Utah, bringing you an action of the week to help prevent suicides in Utah youth. As you may know, suicide is the number one killer for Utah kids ages 10 through 17. But what you may not be aware of is that there are loads of tremendous suicide prevention resources that are helping kids and families in crisis get the help they need to avoid tragedy and recover. Although it isn't necessarily the job of our educators to care for our children's mental health, families turn to schools for assistance in time of need. It can be easy for schools to provide lists of valuable suicide prevention resources on their district websites. All they need is for community members like you to speak up and ask for it, and maybe even provide a little guidance. Action Utah can help you. We've created an action kit for those of you willing to reach out to your school community to improve access to suicide prevention resources. Contact us for more information at mobilize at actionutah.org. Thanks for taking action on such an important issue. You can hear the tabs in the background, but first I want to let you know that in the show notes, we'll put a link to Action Utah and their weekly uh, Take Action newsletter. If you have a voice memo for change in Utah, use your smartphone, record a 60-second message, keep it about the substance of the issue. You're not selling anything, stacking it deep, or selling it cheap. 
an email. It's radioactive at krcl.org. All right, Ma Black, can you hear the tap? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So excited. We had uh, we had Debbie Robertson in last year, and she's brought in with her Brenda Buffalino to talk about Salt City Tap Fest, which starts uh, tomorrow and runs five days at Sugar Space Arts Warehouse. And is it the lost art of tap, Debbie? Heck no. Tap is not lost. It never was lost. Yeah. It took a little break yeah. for a few years, uh-huh. but... The uh, so-called tap revival, tap renaissance, actually has been going on since the mid-70s. So people in Salt Lake City or in Utah are a little bit behind on that. <laughs> so you got five days. Five days, um, ten classes. And um, what's your goal? To expose more people in Utah to rhythm tap and jazz tap and to expose people to this incredible artist, Brenda Buffalino, who has was my uh, teacher when I lived in in New York, and she has been a trailblazer in this field. And uh, she's been working for 60 or 70 years promoting tap dance and teaching others and influencing dancers all over the world. So Brenda, and when you look at at tap and and its life over the years, are there different periods, like there is the deco period in art architecture? Well, there are, and it's all linked up to the periods of music. The styles of tap dance go with the period of music that they w- it was created uh-huh. during, you know. And, it, and a lot of the jazz uh, musicians and tap dancers will say, it was tap dance that created jazz. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think of Tin Pan Alley, I think of jazz. But then when I think of contemporary dancers, I think of uh, Savion Glover, who's he's passed away, hasn't he? Or no, no, oh, no. Who am I thinking of? Gregory, uh, Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines. I apologize, yes, Savion yes. Glover, for putting you in the ground ahead of your time. You're right, Gregory Hines, who did that famous comp, uh, collaboration with Baryshnikov, Baryshnikov, Mikhail Baryshnikov, yeah. the ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. We have a quote right here from Gregory uh, about Brenda. Let's hear it. He says, "One of the greatest." female tap dancers that ever lived. Wow. Brenda Buffalino. And she will be teaching this week. So what do I got to do to get into tap? Is it about the shoes or is it about the energy? It's about all of it. It's Uh about the shoes. It helps to have the shoes if you want to make any noise. Yeah. But it isn't even about energy. I mean, the the most marvelous thing about tap dance is that it includes all the systems, you Uh know, and it really... Uh, I would say tap dancers some of the most intelligent people because they have to use all the parts of themselves and mm-hmm. the synapses, you know, have to keep striking. You're well, working from yeah. your head to your feet, you know. I think of the big names from the era of musicals like Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, but then I always loved Ginger Rogers because she had to do it backwards and in heels. Well, you know, for many years, like when the revival started or even in the early days, it was the men who were always chosen as a soloist. And it was quite a big fight right from the beginning of the revival for, a, for females to have their, to take the spotlight. To have their due. Yes. And so. wasn't it Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain? She, she was so young. She didn't have a background 14. in tap, right? Well, I want to make, really make the distinction that you're talking about the movies, and that was a long time ago. Uh-huh. That's what I know. And, and a lot has happened since then. Let's, mm-hmm. let's hear it. You know, that uh, when tap dance took its sabbatical, <laughs> um, what came back really was what we call jazz tap or rhythm tap. 
uh-huh. which was a much more musical form, and we created a concert stage for tap dance. Okay. So it became not only just doing a routine and a song and dance, but compositions. Ah. So it moved into, we would say, an art form. Okay. Of course, it's always entertainment because it's tap dance. All right. <laughs> but it became a much larger form. It became really art. It has just been so, so elevated um, since people like Brenda have been working and mm -hmm. she has concertized tap dance. It is an art form. It's way beyond anything that anyone ever yeah. envisions in those old fashioned thoughts about it. When I do think of Gregory Hines or Savia and Glover, I think of street tap. And I'm kind of curious, what's happening on the street versus what's happening on the concert stage, Brenda? Are you keeping your finger on the pulse of that? Very much so. I mean, really, Savion especially, and Gregory, in his later life. Yes. Gregory was, he was in Broadway shows, so mm -hmm. he was a show dancer, an entertainer. Yep. Um, but what happened during the Renaissance was um, that we began to improvise yeah. on stage and concert, and, and that was not done. Improvisation, jazz improvisation was not done on stage. And so for a long time, partly because I had a company, the American Tap Dance Orchestra, that worked like a symphony. Um, Savion was really doing a lot of improv. I was too as a soloist. Um, but then it became so, almost like bebop. You know how bebop changed from, mm -hmm. when it moved from swing, lost a lot of its audience? Yeah. You know, it became... It's bebop. <laughs> it doesn't swing. Well, and also it became very self-involved in yeah. a way. You know, extended, long soloists. Mm -hmm. So what is very exciting right now is we've moved back into, into extended composition. So mm -hmm. I'm very excited. And of course, we'll always use improv because we're musical artists and we're jazz artists. All right. So it's a great moment for tap dance. Well, and if you go to Salt City Tap, Ma, you're going to learn... From Brenda and some other teachers, but Brenda also studied with Honey Coles, mm. former vaudeville performer and half of that class act duo with, is it Charlie? Charlie Atkins? Charlie Atkins and yeah. Honey Coles, yeah. So, I mean, just talk about spanning uh, the the decades from what we're here, where we're here now, the concert stage and acting like a symphony when we tap back to its origins. It's a ton of history that you got in your toes there. Thanks so much for coming uh. in. Will you tap us out, Debbie, and also tell us the details? Where can people well, get? Well, it is Salt City Tap Fest. It is taking place at Sugar Space at uh, Sugar Space Arts Warehouse. The address is 132 South, 800 West. Our first class with Brenda is tomorrow night at 530. Following that class, we will have a showcase for local performers at 730 p.m., and the uh, admission is free to the public for that. Uh, then we'll have another class on Thursday night, 530, Friday night, we have a special film screening that Brenda uh, produced uh, and directed this film called Great Feats of Feet, and it is a basically a history of the copacetics. You could tell a little bit about the screening. Yeah, the copacetics. The copacetics. Uh, the, uh, it's a documentary, documentary of the jazz tap dancer. Ooh. And the copacetic uh, club began in 1949 in honor of Bill Bojangles Robinson. I love it. Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> So uh, let's do some of the copacetic tap then, shall we? 
Say so, and then oh, one more yeah? thing. Uh-huh. We have classes all day Saturday, mm-hmm. and Saturday night we are doing a special performance. It's called Salt City Taps, and it is our own concert. Brenda will be performing. We'll have live music by Dan Waldis, who's a f- well-known jazz pianist in the Salt Lake area, and myself and my group SLC Tap and some other dancers will be joining us. And this is going to be a very special historic concert. Uh, the first tap show that's ever been done in the Robertson studio at Sugar Space on a tap dancer's dream floor. Oh, the floor. Congratulations. You talked about shows. It's the floor. This floor's not bad. <laughs> Let's hear some more, shall we? What are you, what are you doing there, Debbie? You got you to gotta narrate for us, too. All right. Salt City Tap Fest. Starts tomorrow. Runs through the 27th. We'll put all the details in the show notes. It's just hard to tap and dance. And talk. Ah. Well, here's a little four tapping shoes and a kiss from Her Space Holiday and 90.9 KRCL. Stick around. Our panel discussion coming up next. When I'm down and filled with gloom, I feel like I can't compete. Slip into my old tap shoes and dance around with two left feet. With one click of my heel, scrape of my toes, the walls of my room unglued. And on that marquee, it says that you love me. The show sold out, so it must be, it must be true. Yeah, it must be true. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru, offering service along the Wasatch Front, including a Subaru valet program. When service is due, specialists pick up wherever is convenient. With extended service hours, open until 8 p.m. on weekdays. More information at markmillersubaru.co. KRCL would like to thank all the listeners who donated during Fall Radiothon and Metatrina, Donna Land Maldonado, and the KRCL Community Advisory Board for providing challenge grants. Thanks. We couldn't do it without you. Support for 90.9 FM KRCL provided by Schneider Auto Carrossery Body and Paint, offering collision repair and restoration to pre-accident condition for most cars and light trucks. Schneider Auto negotiates directly with insurance companies. Details, services, hours, and location at schneiderauto.net. Welcome back to Radioactive on 90.9 FM KRCL. I'm Laura Jones in studio with Ma Black. Coming up at 7, Democracy Now!, followed by Vagabond Radio with Barbie at 8, and The Yellow Stereo with PJ at 10.30. Our full schedule online at krcl.org. So, Ma, as you were mentioning in the show intro, more than a billion people in our on our planet have mm-hmm. a disability. That's right. Was that 15% plus? That is 15% of the world's population. That's a, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of the numbers here in Utah, but perhaps our panelists can help us with that. So joining us now, we have Sarah with the P, Sarah Johnson. Hello, and it's actually about 20% according to the uh, Disability Caucus for the Utah Democratic Party that Jennifer Miller-Smith is a part of. She has pins available that say one in five. Here in Utah or worldwide? I'm not sure actually if that is a Utah stat or if it's a nation, okay. a national stat, but it is one in five. We basically have a 20% stat. Wow. Disability Rights Action Committee of Utah. How's DRAC these days? You shutting down traffic? Got some plans? You know, we don't have any uh, traffic plans right now. Kind With of Barbara Toomer gone, you've kind of lost a we've lost a big a, leader. A big leader in our community. We are planning a trip out to D.C. for a big national 
act or I'm sorry, to Denver. We're on our way to Denver soon. Uh, but apart from that, we have our board meeting tomorrow and we always welcome new members, whether you are disabled or not. Anyone is welcome to join the fight with Disability Rights Action Committee. Um, and we also do a lot of compliance issues, just fair housing testing, things like mm -hmm. this. So it's a great resource. So Sarah, this is radio. Folks uh, can only hear you. You're not only a member of DRAG, you also are someone who lives with a disability. I am. And one of the things I know you've been strong about and passionate about is being seen, being heard, being the one telling your story. A big word in the disability community is invisibility. Alice Wong created a wonderful project called Disability Visibility, and we really are trying to make sure that disability is seen. Right now in the media, you still do not see a lot of disabled people, even in a lot of our own magazines, uh, medical supply catalogs are still being marketed using able-bodied models. You've experienced this kind of discrimination yourself because you've led different uh, protests or actions and folks haven't wanted to put you on camera. What's that about? Uh, in a lot of ways, I think people feel they're doing you a favor. I was told when I was in the eighth grade that I wouldn't be cast in the school play because they didn't want the other kids to laugh at little Sarah. Now, I'm actually an actress. I'm the front woman for a punk rock and roll band. What's the band? I <laughs> uh, can't really talk about it. It's FTP. It stands for Fight the Patriarchy. That's what it stands as for. As far as the FCC is concerned. That's as what far it's... as the FCC is concerned. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it is really important. A lot of the ways that we have really managed to normalize a lot of things with gender, with race, with all of these different discriminations we've come across, you see these people first and foremost on your TV. You look up to people and when you're watching TV, I know Ma, when you watch TV, you, you look for those Latina faces that look like you. We all wanna see ourselves represented somewhere in the world. And when we take those voices away, when we see able-bodied actors playing disabled people, it really does continue to diminish that. But there's also a very important part of disability and that is invisible disabilities. And there are many, many people. One of them is uh, your volunteer shell who happened to live with very invisible disabilities. So when they try to access services, they are talked down to, they are insulted. People will yell at them for parking in handicapped stalls or for using a handicapped bathroom. So this is also a problem. Christy Chambers is here from Columbus Community Center. Hi, Christy. Hi, Laura. Uh, it's been a long time since I've had you in the studio. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. 50 years of the Columbus Community Center, Ma, and they do great work. And the origin story is something I always like folks to hear about because families with children with special needs were looking for a community center somewhere, someplace where folks could get the opportunity to excel. And the Columbus Community Center comes out of that. Yes, we do. And it's really the parents of those children that formed Columbus back 50 years ago. Uh, we had a, our founder was Richmond Harris, and he was a father of uh, uh, his daughter, Irene, who essentially uh, was considered mentally retarded at the time. That was an acceptable term. And he, she, was the inspiration for him. Basically, uh, he realized that the only opportunity for her at that time was to live in an institution. Mm -hmm. And he really did not want that for his daughter. He felt that she, as everyone else, should have the right to live within the community integrated. And so it 
founded, the founder actually put an article into the newspaper asking if there were other parents that indeed had the similar situation. And he had an incredible response. Within 24 hours, 50 parents came to the aid of this gentleman and said, we want something more for our children. And in that, um, they formed the Columbus Founding Parents, and really the rest is history from there. You've got this cool thing you've been fundraising for, I think, over a year, the Opportunity Hub. You guys ready to break ground? We did. We broke ground in June, and uh, that's been really very exciting. It went into the ground, and now it's coming out of the ground. So we're starting to see the concrete bearings coming up, and it's taking its own form. And that's going to be 156 units of affordable housing. 110 of those um, are going to be dedicated to those with low income. About 30 of those will be dedicated to those with disabilities. Um, I think the most exciting part of this particular project is we will be instituting our next work uh, our next work program and that's going to take the commercial space and essentially we'll have 16 units that will be dedicated to a live work solution for those on the autism spectrum so we're really addressing the autism piece of this um, the the invisible disability that you were talking to um, these are folks that are coming out of the school system uh, coming out without really supports in place uh, we're bridging them into employment opportunities as well as independent living opportunities as well. So that is going to be online when? We will be occupying that December of 2019. And also you're connecting with the universities as, as a result with your next work, aren't you? Yes, this outreach has really allowed us to intersect with all sorts of all sorts of community partners, including the University of Utah through Neuroversity, which is a vocational training, which allows those individuals to have employable skills through SketchUp and some other uh, computer programs that will allow them to do the coding and the like uh, and, and make them valuable and give them those necessary employment skills to be employable. So Columbus Community Center does a lot of wonderful things, and you have a great facility right now, across from which, isn't that where the Opportunity Hub is being built? Is it nearby? It? It's I can't about remember. three blocks down from go. it. So we will be a present neighbor in that neighborhood um, and have the ability to really make sure that it's being run appropriately. What's wonderful about this is it's on the track station. So it'll be the Meadowbrooks track mm -hmm. station, which um, allows people, those with disabilities are less likely to drive. So that transportation into the community uh, via public transit will be a huge piece to allowing people to integrate more fully into the community at large. You know, Ma, one of the things we talk about um, with folks with disabilities or folks uh, across the spectrum when you get into then the issue of race on top of that, there's mm -hmm. less opportunity. Absolutely. But the Columbus Community Center is an equal opportunity server. We are. So we employ about 200 people. So we're a disability employer, as well as there's a lot of focus now on getting people out into the community. And we provide the necessary vocational skills, as well as the job supports to place people in um, positions with Einstein's, with Harmon's, with Boeing, with IHC. Um, so our our cohort of employers out there is quite extensive. And so part of what we're managing right now is engaging employers into hiring people with disabilities and bringing them up to speed with what those individuals have to offer as well as providing the necessary supports that, so that they can live independently and work independently in the community. Has the unemployment rate being as low as it is, as it is, as it is here in Utah boosted opportunity for 
the center? I think we see it as a profound opportunity. With employment being at 3.2%, it certainly opens up positions that um, that are needing to be filled, that they're looking for a whole new workforce, um, especially in order fulfillment. Amazon um, has a tremendous need. There's a Sephora warehouse on the west side of the freeway that is looking for employees, and we feel that this is a grand opportunity to have those people who may not um, have had that opportunity before to be employed to really fulfill some of these needs. Um, and employers, too, are becoming far more accommodating in scheduling and um, looking to uh, a workforce that wouldn't otherwise have been tapped in order to uh, produce and make and manufacture those things that they're just having a difficult time finding employment um, opportunities for other individuals. You're listening to Radioactive on 90.9 FM KRCL. I'm Laura Jones in studio with Ma Black. And if you have a question, comment, or want to join the conversation, we're talking about disability in Utah. October is Disability Awareness Month. As Sarah Johnson told us, one in five uh, persons in the world, I'm, I'm thinking that's really what it is, Sarah, is, uh, has a disability. And we're always taking new members, whether you want to join or not. Exactly. <laughs> Sarah's got a great sense of humor um, that I think serves you well. But self-care, Shell was talking about that earlier, when it comes to the activism, is important for, for you. Yeah, it is. It's very important that we balance that work, rest, period, you know, between getting enough physical activity and doing too much, which Christy is kind of talking about. A lot of employers out there don't understand how to work with somebody with a disability. Uh, right now, there are a lot of industries that still don't know how to make those reasonable accommodations. We're certainly getting close to that um, with a lot of the issues the ADA has brought up. But uh, sadly, we're seeing legislation that is trying to roll back on some of those protections. So yeah. there's a lot of work to do. And there will be some bills coming up this year. Here oh, yeah, what are you working on? Well, they're going to be uh, bringing back the ADA demand letter legislation. That was one of the bills we were helping with last year. Uh, many restaurants feel they are seeing a frivolous ADA lawsuits or they're seeing attorneys that are going through and uh, trying to take advantage and basically make money by finding nitpicky things within the ADA to complain about. The problem is... We have to be very careful that that doesn't just flat out remove the ability to cite somebody mm -hmm. when they do have a legitimate infraction. So we will be watching these bills working. I believe that's uh, Representative Thurston's bill mm -hmm. that a number of us, the Disability Law Center, DRAC, we will be working on that legislative coalition for people with disabilities. We're all keeping an eye on that as well as uh, service animals bill. That's going to be coming up again as well, trying to distinguish between you know, a true need for a service animal and those few people, I'm sure we all have a friend. Because you can buy it at the pet store. <laughs> right. You've got <clears throat> your emotional support alligator. So <laughs> mine's under the desk, Laura. It's hungry. So just keep your toes in. Okay. <laughs> so also here, former host of Culture Jock and the first deaf NBA player, uh, first deaf player in the NBA history. We have Lance Allred. Hi, Lance. Welcome back. Hi, Laura. It's good to be back at Carousel. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. What have you been up to? Oh, traveling, speaking, uh, writing a book. But I'm glad to be back in town this week to help with the Columbus Community Center. They have a 50-year celebration gala 
on Friday at the fairgrounds, and it's going to be pretty cool. It's a, uh, there's different themes. You can show up in any black tie fashion style throughout the decades, so it's going to be quirky and funny, and I'm glad to be emceeing that event. You're also uh, on the bill with Thurl Bailey, I believe. Yeah. Are you going to co MC or is he just singing this time? I think he's just singing, but they okay. had the, the 241s. We're both, we both wore number 41, so uh, I didn't these know that. two 611s guys. Uh, but we have a good time. We uh, rib each other a little bit, but that'll be a fun event. And I'm always excited to um, give back to causes like this. And yes, I had the luxury of my hearing loss being compensated for, I guess, with the digital age. It's a great age to have hearing loss, but I was in speech therapy till I was 16, and uh, there are many people that told my mom, "Yeah, uh, that's not that's about as good as it's gonna get," and my mom never backed down. And there were many people that put limitations on me, and my mom was always there to tell me that the only limitations that truly exist are the ones we place on ourselves, <laughs> and so. Being able to give back or pay it forward and be a part of Columbus and other events, this impact hub that Columbus is doing is like a spaceship, honestly. If you see the blueprints of this place, it's phenomenal. And as fast as Salt Lake is growing with all these companies coming in, this big Silicon Valley money coming in, Salt Lake is in a pristine spot to really show the world. As you know, my show Culture Jock, I played on every continent in the world. And so I know all these cultures. There's nothing like it, anything like this around the world. And so for Salt Lake and our community to actually show how we give people with disabilities dignity through work, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, Ma, I don't know if you've heard the past shows with Lance, but... Mm -hmm. uh, from culture jock to being on the show here at KRCL. You got a wild backstory. But one of the things I want to concentrate on here in light of our topic tonight is the camps that you do for kids in basketball. Yeah. Um, and is it the Carmen Pingree Center that you do those it's at? It's at the Sanderson Deaf Community Center in there Taylorsville. That's the one I'm thinking of. And so you are seeing little U's in front of you. How does, how does that work? Um, well, it's... It's it's kind of funky. I have I, I don't really. I was born and raised in a polygamous commune, so I had no amenities to learn sign language. So I had to be thrown outside my comfort zone, and I didn't talk on telephones until again I was sixteen when I got the, the digital tiny ear ones. I could finally put them up to my ears, and I could start communicating, and my world became bigger. And so for me to go and work with these kids who feel the world is very small, and I get to tell them, hey guys. I didn't like putting my hearing aids. I still don't like putting my hearing aids in every day. It's, it's a lot of anxiety trying to read people's lips, take the context of a conversation, piece it together in the vowel shifts. But if I can do that and travel the world for 10 years, speaking broken English with people from all different dialects, there's no reason why you can't do the things you want to do with your life. And I know Sarah and Christy and Ma agree with me. Again, the only limitations that truly exist are the ones that we think exist. And it's mm -hmm. all it's all illusions. It's what they are. And I know you're working on another book. Oh, uh, yeah. What's that going to be about? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working with Sounds True and Macmillan Publishers, and they want me to write a book uh, kind of capitalizing on my keynote corporate work that I do, corporate training on perseverance. Didn't make the NBA till I was 27. But they want me to layer it in, too, with um, how can we be – 
authentic as men and vulnerable and spiritual and still be alpha. So you and need to come back and do a bunch of shows on that, okay? Okay, we, we can. <laughs> so we're, we're attacking this old, outdated concept of what alpha male mm. is. So it's a good challenge. Well, I think you've broken a bunch of barriers in what it means to be uh, deaf and uh, able to play Major League Basketball. You survived Rick Majerus, for crying out loud. Yeah, we did. And um, I, I saw a story over, I think it was just this last weekend, about a young kid who had amniotic banding syndrome. I think that's kind of what it's called. And so his arm ended at his elbow. Mm -hmm. And that led me to a story that I didn't know that well about Shaquem Griffin, I believe it is, is his mm -hmm. name. He has yes. the same syndrome, but he plays in the NFL. Are we starting to see in uh, Major League Sports an incorporation of people mm -hmm. with disabilities? Starting to see incorporation, but there's a fine line. Um, one thing I get to tell people... Um, there were many times, twice I signed contracts overseas, but once the coach found out I had hearing loss, they took the contract away. But I was never gonna be anyone's victim. But, so there's a fine line of making sure we have to meet halfway sometimes. Like, I knew the world wasn't gonna stop and start all the time for me. So I had to make sure I held myself accountable too by making sure I was always positioning myself at the right place to read the coach's lips. And that's what we do. I'm not saying everyone plays the victim card, but what you're seeing is that people continually pushing and showing accountability, no, never relying on their disability for excuses, but saying, this is, I own this mm -hmm. and I'm gonna do my best to work with it and never hide behind mm -hmm. it. I own it with true authenticity. And you have people like me and uh, several others, Derek Coleman, uh, hearing loss with the former running back for the Seahawks when they won a Super Bowl. Um, that well, and that's who uh, drafted Griffin. Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And so when they're seeing that, wait, these guys with quote unquote disabilities are actually showing up and they have accountability and they work hard and they take nothing for granted. Mm -hmm. And that lets these people who are looking for employees saying, you know what, these people that were giving work they don't take it for granted and we can rely on them. And that's what Columbus is about too. Mm -hmm. They're finding that people are finding with disabilities don't take their, their, their work for granted at all. Uh, in closing, I do want to talk about bullying because you survived Majerus. And that was, if you read your book, you, you'll, and that book is called Long Shot. Thank you. Uh, you will hear more about Lance's time at the University of Utah and how he persevered and overcame it. I want to know about bullying of disabled people in 2018. Sarah, what is it that we don't know? Oh, that's a good one. And sadly, it does still happen. And it was about a year ago, almost exactly, that I was bullied outside of Piper Down for standing up for a couple of women that were being harassed by a man. And because I had the nerve to stand up to him, we finally had to call the bouncer to come and get us safely to our cars. Once we had all been escorted to our cars, he came back and started to mock me and he did the Donald Trump hand gesture and called me crackhead and meth head, asked me what was wrong with my teeth, what had happened to my face, what, uh, and I'm not gonna describe all of the words he used, but it is sad that this is still what happens. And what Lance really is touching on, as people with disabilities, we are not 
diss anything. For every ability we may be lacking in one area, we have honed this amazing, almost superpower ability in another way. I mean, Lance is a wonderful lip reader. Who else can do that? And we don't focus enough on the advanced levels of abilities a lot of us have, mm -hmm. which is what, again, makes them so valuable to mm -hmm. employers, the complex thinking that we have nurtured since the time I was born just to survive in a world that was not built for us. It's that perseverance, Christy, that uh, Columbus Community Center can, can draw out and help folks channel in our community, right? Absolutely. Um, for me, I enjoy going to work every day. We have, I would say, 75% of the people that I intersect with every day has some form of disability or something that makes them incredibly unique. And um, I, I, the big epiphany and the light bulb as I intersected more and more with this population was the personalities and the gifts and the unique abilities that each and every one of them has. Um, and you identify that pretty quickly as you're working side by side with folks. Um, and it's, it's inspiring. Um, I'm very fortunate um, because the majority of my life is spent here. I don't see the bullying in our particular setting, and we're very proud of that. There's a dignity and a respect that um, is enculturated in the work that we do, and I think it makes us all better for being there. Your party is Friday night, right? Our party is Friday night. Where can uh, people get tickets? People can get tickets online. Um, go to www.columbusserves.org and please, please come and attend. We would love to see you there. Um, and especially, you're going to have to, you know, check out Lance. He he does a fabulous job, and we've got a wonderful lineup of Lance and Thurl Bailey. Um, Bob Evans is going to be emceeing as well. You'll meet. Um, the daughter of our founder, um, Barry Morrow, who was the producer of Rain Man, is going to be honored as well. Um, his movie uh, certainly opened the doors for those on the spectrum and allowed the whole world to understand what that looks like. Well, not enough time ever in one hour show. Thank you all for coming in. Lance Allred, Christy Chambers, and Sarah Johnson. Sarah, quickly, the Facebook page for DRAC. Oh, let's see. We are disabledrightsaction.org. Thank you so much. And Ma Black, thanks to you. Thank you, Laura. And Billy Palmer and Shell Laughs A Lot. Danis, thank you as well. I'm Laura Jones. Democracy Now! is next. KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported, community radio.